You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, where we're doing a podcast within the podcast, and we're doing an episode of Quarantine and Chill. So, so excited to have you here, and I love doing these episodes, and I love talking to you about your experiences in quarantine as disabled people, and why it's important to do that is because we're not talking enough about the disability experience during COVID-19. So this is episode 14 of Quarantine and Chill. Let's get comfy, cozy, and quarantined, and let's get started. Before we jump right to our guest today, I want to let you know that if you want to be a guest on Quarantine and Chill, you can email me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com with the subject line Quarantine and Chill and let me know if you want to be a guest. Tell me a little bit about your disabilities, how they impact your day-to-day, and how quarantine has impacted you. But I would love to do more of these for as long as as COVID-19 is happening and we're stuck inside figuring all this out. I want to... I want to invite you along to do that. So email me, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Tell me a little bit about your story and we'll get you booked in. Anyone who has emailed me and I've forgotten, things have been a little bit crazy around here right now. So I will get back to you, I promise. But shoot off those emails and I will respond. Thanks, friends. One of the things I love doing the most on Quarantine and Chill and just doing is just sitting down and having a chat with somebody and having a laugh and having a moment where you get to sit with somebody with a disability and just talk about disabled shit and feel comfy in doing so. And this was one of those interviews that I just fell in love with the person within the first 30 seconds of us talking. And I am so excited to tell you all about my guest today because they are somebody that you will fall in love with too. Let me tell you all about them right now. The person I sit down with today is Maria Marrero, who reached out to me when I was recording Quarantine and Chill episode 7, where I sat down with my friend Jay, Jay Scrim, who was talking about his experiences with invisible disabilities. And she emailed me and said, I listened to this episode and I had to reach out to you. I want to talk to you about my experiences with invisible disabilities during quarantine. And I was like, fucking yeah, sure, come on, this is great. And so she tells us about her experiences with PTSD and her experiences with PNES. We also talk briefly, very briefly, about her experiences as a sexual assault survivor. So content warning for that, sexual assault survivor and um, sexual abuse survivor. 
as well as intimate partner violence. We talked very briefly about those things. She does mention them, so be aware of that when you're listening. Um, but we really had a really, uh, just a fun chat, and I also loved talking with her about her experiences being a, a black woman in the medical system with disabilities and what that was like for her. There was a lot of stuff that went on here that went over and above just a regular quarantine and chill episode, and that's why I kind of fell in love with her right away, because it was like sitting down with your best friend and just talking, and that was just really, really powerful, and I'm excited to share that interview with you. So, we talk a little bit about quarantine and chill, we talk a lot about disability, we talk a lot about uh, a lot, we just talk a lot about a lot of stuff, and it was a really fun interview to do, so... Here is episode 14 of Quarantine and Chill, right here on Disability After Dark, with my new friend, Maria Marrero. Maria, hello. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Good. It's so nice to have you on the show today um, on Disability After Dark, the, uh, the podcast within a podcast. Uh, quor- the quarantine and chill episodes that I'm trying to do now since, you know, the world is in flux and you, I loved the way that you, that you reach out to me because you had listened to an episode that Jay Scrim and I did a few weeks ago and you were like, I, I was going to write for you. I was going to write, write to you a long time ago, but then I wasn't sure. And then I heard that episode and I had to. So thanks. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on this podcast. And also, I'm so excited to directly speak to the disability community, the community that I'm a part of and that I love so much. So thank you for having me on. I am so excited. Um, and one of the things I loved about your kind of your pitch to me to come on the show, which if anyone's listening, just tell me why you want to come on the show. And I'll probably say sure. Um because <laughs> I love new guests and new content, but I, one of the things I loved about what you said was that you experience invisible disabilities, and as you know, I've been asking people with invisible disabilities to kind of come on and share their experiences of, of the pandemic, because I think invisible disabilities and visible disabilities are very different, and, and the way the pandemic is affecting both of those populations is... is vastly different and we should talk about that oh well thanks i have geez what an intro it's like following sinatra andrew you're i mean (laughs) no way (laughs) first of all i love sinatra it's weird i i i um i went to visit some family yesterday i broke my quarantine and i went to go visit my mom for like the first time in three months and we listened to Sinatra together yesterday, so it's weird that you bring him up because we listened to him all last night. Ah, the stars are aligning. I mean, right? Exactly. (laughs) So we could fangirl over each other all day, but nobody wants to listen to us do that. I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. But but I'd love for you, Maria, to introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us who you are and what you do. Absolutely. So I again am super excited to be here. Um, my name is Maria, and I'm proudly a queer, mixed, Black and Italian-American woman of color. I'm a limited licensed social worker. I'm a femme. I'm a fiancé and a straight passing and swirling relationship. I am a light-skinned Black girl, and my man is super white. 
Um, I'm a limited license clinical therapist. I'm an East Coaster. I'm a first generation graduate. Uh, I'm a crafter, self-proclaimed weirdo. And I have a background in mentorship and advocacy for intimate partner survivors, students of color, climate change, and low-income families. You that there? I mean, we could just do a whole podcast based on yeah. just the thirty seconds of your intro there. Wow, that's a lot of stuff to yeah. unpack. But I love it, and thank you for being like so honest. Also, thank you for one of the, one of my favorite parts of that intro was that your partner was super white. Oh. <laughs> He's just learning to enjoy how food gets seasoned with something more than salt and pepper. What? So, so like tangentially, I'm super happy to talk about my um, invisible disabilities and like in-process diagnoses and COVID-19, but just like tangentially. So my man is super cute. I mean, he looks like a Spartan soldier, right? I'll, wait, I'll wait for that email out. <laughs> you can just ah! <laughs> send that right on through. <laughs> um, but he he hasn't really had seasoned food right because he's like a lovely midwest white guy so when i started cooking for him all the spices made him hiccup and he oh. still hiccups isn't that adorable <laughs> that's sort of sweet though <laughs> um but, so i guess i should probably answer one of your questions which is um what, what was it <laughs> <laughs> which was um hey, you're kind enough to talk about invisible disabilities. I guess I should probably launch in there and say what they are and what they do. I mean, you definitely can launch it. Sure. So my, the question I have, I didn't ask you yet, but, but question one was, <laughs> what are your disabilities and how do they impact your day-to-day -day life? Okay, so it's super, super fun. As anybody with um, invisible or just disabilities know, super fun. Because they usually don't come with one. You get a bunch. Oh, yeah. It's a package deal. <laughs> Absolutely. So I have something called complex PTSD. Um, and it differs a little bit. Not even just a little bit. It just totally differs from PTSD in that the traumatic events usually start early in childhood. Um, they're chronic. The traumatic events are chronic and have long-term exposure which means that they have more emotional and physiological implications. Um, so on that, in the spirit of being brave, um, I'm a sexual assault survivor starting from like super early and then into my 20s ongoing. I'm a survivor of extreme intimate partner violence, which probably speaks to some of my mentorship and advocacy work in that field. Um, I also have a super fun seizure disorder called PNES. And that looks, it looks like epilepsy, um, but it's not. And you're going to totally understand why I hate this word as it's described. It's a psychosomatic disassociative. Oh. Just, I know, isn't that gross? Yeah, I don't like Doesn't that. Doesn't that make you go icky? Ew, no, because what it implies is that it's not real. Right, right. I mean, nothing's cooler than seeing me do the Harlem Shake as I fall to the floor. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Um, but this is already one of my favorite interviews because you're so, <laughs> you, you have it like, we're only like two minutes in and already I'm like, wow, this person's really cool because you, it's very clear to me that you can compartmentalize like the pain, you, the shit you've gone through and you're like, I had to come up with humor because if I didn't, I would be a ball on the floor. Oh yeah. I mean, 
please don't get it twisted. There are times where I'm totally a ball on the floor and I may be floundering around like a fish. <laughs> Other times I prefer to just laugh about it. But this podcast and like hearing people laugh about what does it mean to have complex needs? What does it mean to not know what your body's going to do and have be at constant war with your body and laugh about it has been such a boon, especially as I became recently disabled. So thank you. Really. Oh, I'm so, like, I'm so happy. That makes, that literally makes my heart like swell because like, what? I do this little show from my bedroom and I literally create this show every week and I go, no one's listening. It's just a, I'll just whatever no. but i'll keep going oh my god have you ever seen the cartoon grinch from like the 70s or 60s yeah i feel like when i listen to the show i'm like the grinch at the end scene where his little heart is the size of a raisin <laughs> and it swells up in his hair curls oh, i already that's... have an afro so it's just super curly right i, like I saw your up. afro i did i i saw it so you do have some nice curls happening all the time um, um, until I don't, which is like totally more on that. Oh yeah. So, um, PNES, um, it's a psychosomatic disassociative disorder. So it's born from ongoing exposure to trauma. Um, so this diagnosis typically doesn't get a lot of airtime because it's so taboo and we don't have a huge mega force researcher like the VA pouring money yeah. into PNES. Um, but the range of people is pretty it's huge. It's like 2 to 33% of people have this non-epileptic seizure disorder. And usually it impacts um, women more than men. And that the idea of like who it impacts just as women is super complicated because they're not counting for anything other than cis women. Any but like gender, yeah. Right. Like it's very high. I'm in the binary. Um, but just looking at sexual assault statistics tends to back up um, why women, and I'm going to say women more broadly because boo, you a woman. Don't let nobody tell you nothing. <laughs> are, um, you from, are you from New York? I'm from Philadelphia, it, which it is about two hours close. from Philly. Or yeah, because I, yeah. I could hear a little bit of like the Manhattan draw for a minute. And I was like, it's in there. It's in there. That East Coast ass though. Yep. Um, I'm also a chronic pain babe. Um, so I'm working with rheumatologists and neurologists to figure out why I'm in a lot of pain, why I have fatigue, um, difficulty walking or making my feet flat, um, and difficulty speaking. So we're in the mid-diagnosis period of trying to figure that out. So all of that to say, um, these diagnoses and disabilities impact my life in that I have a really shoddy memory because complex PTSD not only etches out traumatic events until they super don't, um, but also just huge swaths of your memory is gone. So I'm a really copious note taker. Um, I can have a seizure really at any time. So I'm not allowed to work or drive or um, bathe when nobody's in the house or cook when nobody's in the house, um, not allowed to work. But I can do the Harlem Shake, so there's that. I mean, I mean, TikTok is a thing now. <laughs> like, I am way too old for TikTok. I'm not trying to be bothered with all that mess. I mean, me too. But I'm just <laughs> saying, like, you could become a star and then sponsorship deals. Hey, why haven't I not thought? I'm coming to you for branding. Like, yeah, just let me. Just, <laughs> I mean, we could brand your psychosomatic seizure disorder <laughs> to be. <laughs> 
love that. Let me put an asterisk. I am not, nor will I ever make fun of someone with a seizure disorder, but I think the idea <laughs> of somebody branding a TikTok seizure dance could be really funny. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's the best thing ever. So, ever. if so, okay, there were a few things you said there that I that I was curious about. So, so with you know with your relationship with your partner, um, you know, does you having all of these things play a role in in how like if you if you if he needs to be there when you when you want to have a shower or bathe like does that affect how you guys spend time together does it affect how he feels about stuff like i'm just curious that's that's so spot on like that question um so i hope that this is an indicator of how like lovely and supportive he is he actually took the doggo who was really barky out of the house so that way I could have peace and quiet and just speak with you on a real ass level Aww. rather than be able with a barking dog. He says hi. Um, hi. <laughs> I heard you're really hot just now, so uh, I'll get a picture later and I'll, I'll confirm. Total babe, Andrew. Total babe. He's like <laughs> so dreamy. Um, he's going to hate me for saying that, but my number is uh, 647. <laughs> 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 I love everything about that. Um, I think, well, when he and I first met, I was a graduate student, um, at the University of Michigan. Um, so like East Coast transplant on scholarship and I don't want to toot my horn too much, but be, oh, go on toot. it's a disability uplifting podcast Toot your, go ahead. Okay. So, you know, like this poor Brown girl from the East coast, like goes to the number one ranked program in the United States on scholarship, right? So like winning all these grants, these scholarships, like being featured in some of the, the local like magazines for social work. So in, in many words, I was kind of like this rising star, right? And then a few months after I graduated, it just came crashing down. Um, so we knew, we knew we wanted to be together. Um, He's, he's, we've both been married and divorced before. We're like, hey, you're my person. No, you're my person. Oh. So, so cute. Um, and then I started to become ill. And I'm not going to lie. Like, it's, I've had complex PTSD for a long time. But the PNES started probably in about August. And one made the other one very, very worse. And it was like a tennis match between those two disabilities of like, who can fuck Maria up the worst on a daily basis. And my partner was awesome, right? Like this was the first time I've ever needed assistance. Like, you know, going to the bathroom or being lifted up and off the toilet. I got you. I'm I'm there all the time. High five to that. I understand. Hey. Hey, I get it firsthand. I know. I get it. Right, like you just feel really glamorous when you're like, I need you to turn away while I. You need, or you, oh no, I need you to put, I need you to put that toilet paper in my asshole. I need you to do it, and I have to just sit there while you do it. Could you do it for me? Thanks so much. I mean, don't you feel like you just need to wear some pearls and red lipstick? Like you feel like the most glamorous bitch on the web. I feel like a queen with a K. I'm a queen. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like it was really jarring for both of us because there was this new normal that was constantly in flux and we're dealing with all of these disabilities and fighting to get disability income 
which is ooh. which is i mean it's a nightmare ooh. everywhere but especially in the u.s ooh. it's an it's like a nightmare oh you mean that they don't want us to die no it's like a real thing like they're like yeah rather no they literally um, want you to be dead because it's cheaper yes yes one thousand percent yes um but i will say this despite the roller coaster that it's been I'm a super sucker for vows. I may not be a sucker for like the patriarchal nature of matrimony, but I do love me some vows where people say I love you. And this man has said in actions rather than words, I will care for you in sickness and health and it won't be about caregiving. It'll be there's some things that you suck at, Maria. And there's <laughs> been some things that I suck at. And thank God that you're the yin to my yang. So that's my person. Oh, my heart just, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I need to, you need to, I need to email me that picture right after this. Um, I might. We need to wow. call him. I need to see some of that. I need to get some of that Spartan whiteness. <laughs> Would recommend. I mean, 10, 10, out 10. Out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those, this is one of those episodes that was going to be like a straight, just quarantine and chill, but it's turned into like. Two friends is having a chat. These are my favorite episodes that just turn into like, whatever we say, fucking there it is. No big deal. Here it is. So this is what you get when you come on Quarantine and Chill. This right here. <laughs> um, let me try to pull it back into the COVID realness that we're going through right now. So as somebody with all the shit that you've just laid out for us, which thank you for being so expansive in telling us your experiences. Um, does any of this kind of new normal we're all experiencing feel kind of familiar for you or is it all new right now for you given that your disability is so new? Um, you're super kind to say all of those things and it's my absolute pleasure. Um, I think if you're a person with a marginalized identity, which almost everybody listening to the podcast has at least one, at, um, least. at least it's really, really it's just dope to be able to say, okay, like this is my story and I get to own it with a bunch of people who are already supportive and kind and good natured. But as to your question, um, I don't want to speak to the disability community as a whole because it's such a polychromatic, beautiful, diverse group. Wow, that's a some... big ass word for this. Polychromatic, wow. I know, right? Not too bad for a high school dropout. Hey, oh. I mean, um, but I. I don't want to speak like broad brush for the community, but I'm going to a little bit and say right. that I think that we're adaptable as fuck. Like Agreed. we are constantly navigating new normals. So like with changing bodies, with new diagnoses, with dynamic diagnoses, like it means that we're dealing with uncertainty all the time and that's just being in our skin. Right. So I know for myself, I'm not always super graceful about navigating uncharted terrains, especially when it means dynamic diagnoses. Um, but I do think that on the whole, this adaptability makes the community really resilient. And I think this frankly makes us a lot better poised to deal with the new normal than a lot of able-bodied people, right? Like. We don't know what our bodies are going to do. Like, I was really worried last night. I was like, oh, fuck, I feel the beginnings of a pad pain day. Am I going to have to reschedule with Andrew? We don't know if we're going to randomly shit ourselves. Like, we don't yeah, know. I have been. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so we're constantly bracing ourselves all the time for like whatever awful can come next. But we also know we're going to get through it. So I guess to answer your question, hopefully answer your question, I think the resilience and adaptability is a part of our daily lives. And that makes us in a really good position to, do, to deal with being in limbo and being like, okay, anything could happen, but I'm going to fucking get through it. Yeah, it's like COVID nineteen. You think you know some shit? Hold my beer. Watch what my body's. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let me show you. Let me show you my Harlem Shake right now. Come <laughs> in, like, look, look. We need to come up with a name for like. Okay, so COVID starts with a C. COVID. COVID. The COVID. Crump. No, that. The COVID. I feel like the COVID crunk would be a little too old school. I don't think these like. What is, what are they called Gen Zs? I don't think they could get with it. They don't know. Yeah, I know. We'll, we'll we'll come up with one. Um, so you know, I agree with you. I think there's adaptability there for sure. Um, but do you like for you, just for you on on a on a personal level, do you feel like there's a sense of comfort in knowing, kind of as or see because you just told me that your your diagnoses are kind of new and they're changing and they're fluctuating. So is there mm-hmm. is there a comfort in the fact that 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 your introduction to disability kind of came around the same time as the whole world was turning upside down? (laughs) In some ways, yes. In some ways, in some ways, yes. Right. So the PNES or the non-epileptic seizures have started happening in August of 2019, but I would say I've had complex PTSD for years. Um, It just, it just is there. Right. Um, But what I would say is I think there's a comfort if you have dealt with a lot of trauma um, and you are finally in a position where your body is physically safe and you're starting to learn that your mind is, or your mind is safe, right? It's like safe to inhabit your own brain. Yeah. um, Then you begin to know that you are really strong, right? So I know even before COVID-19, like I grew up really poor, right? So if, if I didn't have money coming in, I was like, well, you know, I know how to get through this because peas and ramen, like I know how to deal with being, like I just knew, right? It's like, <laughs> like we're just going to get the fuck through this. Yeah, it's, it's like I'll live it's on super stop. week. I'll make it, I'll, it'll, be, it'll be just fine. Right, right. Like I think that if a lot of your life has been built around uncertainty, and I'm not saying that trauma and uncertainty are carbon copies of each other, but they have a lot to do with each other. Of course. Then, then you know, you usually you have a sense of like, okay, so this isn't going to kill me, so I'm just going to get through it. So are you, to bring it back to like COVID, are you like, do you think this is something a lot of disabled people will get through, particularly disabled people with like invisible, invisible disabilities? How do you mean get through? Because I feel like that can go a few. Yeah, see, well, that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I was getting at. Do you think it's something that we? Because I don't think I'll be, I'll be, I don't think it's something we're gonna get through. I think it's something we're gonna have to incorporate into our, into our social consciousness for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something we're gonna have to. And many of us with both complex and like invisible disabilities and, and physical disabilities are gonna have to contend with this this not only the the illness itself or the virus itself but the stigma of the virus for a very long time absolutely 
And of course, we're at higher risk of getting it and not recovering from it. So, um, yeah, it's I guess when, right, like when I think about get through, I think that a lot of people with disabilities, whether they're visible or not visible, are going to be more vigilant about their health because it's just a non-negotiable. You just have to be super aware of what your body is doing and where it is. Yeah. Um, as to whether it can get through the virus itself, that I couldn't say because so many of our bodies are so different and our immune systems are so different and those immune systems can absolutely differ from week to week and exposure to exposure, not to mention what kind of hospital we're nearby, not to, matter, like, not to mention what other underlying conditions may be around, not yeah. to mention what kind of regional biases you're dealing with at the hospitals. Like, so for that, I couldn't say. But I think as far as like the, the, okay, my body is worth saving and I'm going to be really transparent about what my body needs, that I think is a benefit we have. That yeah. if we are going to get through it as a community, that's going to be one of those key factors. I, I, totally, I totally agree there. And I, I think that us being transparent about our needs, what, I think what scares me the most about COVID right now is how glaringly it has illuminated the biases we already knew were there mm -hmm. but we just to, just for us to get through life we've kind of we knew we always know they're there and we always talk about it but just for us to have happy days we don't think about it sometimes because it's too damn hard and now it's like oh god you're an ableist i forgot shit right right and what's awful is when sometimes like the internal ableism sneaks up too right it's like it's it's like you can't escape it no it's like right there so i, I I full, but, and also just from that, like twenty seconds of you talking about the biases and all those things. Why the fuck don't you have a podcast yet? Like I would listen to that what? for an hour. Like why don't you have a show about? <sighs> we can. We should produce a show for you about social work and disability. I, I mean, TBH would love that. Super interested in working with people of color and sex and sexuality and positive psychology, you know, hey. not the icky, icky thumb stuff, but the stuff about joy. So, I mean, I'm, 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 no, Andrew, let a bitch know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just a disabled white boy. I'm just a disabled cis white boy with a ton of privilege. We need other people in this space that are not me. So, hey, <laughs> if, you, if you want to produce some shit, on the Disability After Dark channel. Let me know. I'm happy to give you some space. Ah, oh, stop. I'm going to take you up on that offer. Yeah, I'm no, so I, I, I would love to, to do something that wasn't me. So let's talk about it. Fuck yeah, let's do that shit. Um, okay, so now that I've brought you into the fold, uh, <laughs> more of a COVID question for you. So for yeah. you... And it's kind of a, it's kind of a fun one. So, what is the best part of social distancing as a person with invisible disabilities, and what is the worst part of social distancing as a person with invisible disabilities for you, Maria? Absolutely. Sure. Um, so, I by the way, if it starts to get a little noisy. Um, my neighbors are getting construction done on their house, so I super apologize. Feel free to let me know if you need me to repeat anything or if you can still hear me. Can you still hear me? No, I can hear you. You're good. Oh, oh did I lose you? No, I can hear you. Can you hear Hello? me? Can you? 
I sure can. I was just apologizing that if it starts getting loud or difficult to hear me, my neighbors are having construction done on their house. No, so no, I can, I can hear you. Let me know if you need me to repeat anything. It could have been a Zoom. You can so probably me, hear. <laughs> let me just do the question over again because I don't remember what it was. <laughs> it was, <laughs> what is the best and worst parts of social distancing for you as a disabled person? Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm going to answer that question with the bad first so I can end on the good, if that's okay. Of course. So um, I don't know if I mentioned this. I mentioned this in half of my service. Been super cute, big white. Purities. Um, all that to say, she training her under the ADA uh, specification necessity. So if I go to the grocery store or pick up prescriptions, I don't trust people to not touch her or come near me because she is so cute. Yeah. Like, like pre-COVID nineteen. She, I would bring her, you know, let's say I went to the store to get like milk, eggs, cheese, bread, that kind of stuff. She would wear a vest that says, please don't touch me. I'm working. I'm a service animal in training. And, and she people, should. Right, right. I mean, if you see a dog in like a grocery store, automatically you should be like, don't touch the fucking dog. Yeah. But sometimes you just need to lay it out. Um, but there were still people who would come up to her and touch her. And when I would respectfully ask them not to. Okay, side note, side tangent of like <laughs> white, straight, fucking, like, ugh, so gross, so gross, the entitlement of this white male. I was at a Walmart because Walmart is super cheap to get, like, you know, your social security. To get your rum and all your stuff. Yeah, yeah. I right. So I took my dog with me to get groceries and she was wearing her vest. And this guy came up and started petting her. And I was like, oh, my gosh, sir, I'm so sorry. I know she's super cute and super fluffy, but please don't touch her. He was like, why? And I looked at the vest, and I looked at him, <laughs> and I was like, well, I have a seizure disorder. She's here to make sure that I don't fall over and have a concussion. Yeah. And he said, well, I have three aunts with a seizure disorder. That didn't kill them. Cancer did. I'm going to pet your dog. And I was like, oh, Ex- my God. No. You are trash juice, sir. You are literal <laughs> trash juice. Not just trash, the juice <laughs> right. from the trash. <laughs> You're trash juice, sir. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, I know you can't see me, but I can see you, and I love that I get to see you laughing about it. <laughs> oh, I'm giggling pretty hard about it. It's pretty funny. <laughs> um. So like that's that I don't trust people in a global pandemic where they're not wearing masks or not wearing masks correctly or they're picking up oranges and putting them the fuck back in the produce rack to not touch my dog. And it sucks, right? Because now like when I go to pick up necessities, I'm going with my partner. But so it solely relies on him to watch my body language. So he has to think about, is everybody six feet away from me? Is everybody six, away from, six feet away from my partner? 
so it's I think it's and it's really super a- awkward because if you go with your partner and the dog, if like, if you went with both of them together, he would then have to step in if some if some person decided to not respect your boundaries with the dog, and then he, it's awkward for him because like, how do you? He then has to be like, hey, she said no. Like he has to be ready to fight if some person doesn't respect you. Like that's that's awkward for everyone when they just want to get groceries. Right. Right. I mean, like, I'm sure anybody listening with a service animal knows the struggle of just like trying to quickly go somewhere and then you're stopped like literally 20 times. So what should have been a 10 minute trip ends up being an hour and a half. Listen, I love dogs and I would love your dog and we would be the best of friends when her when her harness was off. But until then, um, I would not touch her without your consent because... She's also your mobility device. Oh, you mean because you're like a nice, thoughtful, respectful person? Yeah, that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, so I think that's the worst part of it is that I can't bring my doggo. So she's way behind in training. Um, she was a rescue anyway, so she was already pretty, pretty behind um, in training. So that's a total bummer. The good side is, though, the introvert in me during this pandemic, like this is my time to fucking shine. <laughs> okay. Like I've in talking to you, I've got like my candles lit. I've got some like herbal tea. And you also don't expect an Afro clad woman to be totally obsessed with like British folklore and Arthurian legends. But I am. So I'm like nerding, nerding the fuck out. How are we not best friends? <laughs> We're, I mean, Move over, whoever my best friend was. Clearly, it's about to be you now. Everything but. you've just explained to me is like, yeah, I'm into, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an Anglophile through and through. Like, if it was 15th century England, I want to be there. <laughs> like, so, been, it's tangentially what I was doing masculinities research. It was a cross cultural analysis between self-identifying straight men in Philly and in Edinburgh, Scotland. So yes. we could talk about Anglophiles and masculinity forever. Forever. Oh my god, just give me a well-hung ginger and I'm just a, a well-hung Scottish ginger man and I it's I'm done. I'm dead. I'll it's it's over. I will if have Nobody's told you today you're perfect. If nobody's told you today you're <laughs> fucking perfect. <laughs> like that is my dream. That is all I have. That is that is what I have wanted since I was like 15. Just a well-hung Scottish ginger man to be my boyfriend. <laughs> so if anyone is listening in the UK who fits any of those criteria, let me know. Right. I mean, when is your birthday? I feel like there has to be a birthday gift of like a ginger and a tart and like, hi, happy birthday, Andrew. I'm here. I'm here to bring you so much pleasure and joy and remind you why life is worth living. You're welcome. My birthday was literally two weeks ago. So if you want to retroactively figure that out. Like- <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, and so, so, so you're nerding out, which I think is so cool, and I'm, I'm there for that. Uh, now, one of the things I do on the quarantine and chills that I'm really, I think is important, is I want you to, if you don't mind, Maria, I want you to um, tell us kind of, if you were to contract COVID-19, how you think it might affect your body, and how you think, like, what would happen to you as an invisibly and sometimes not so invisibly disabled person, how would it play a role in your body so people understand the necessity of 
staying the fuck away from you and staying home for you? Um, I guess this speaks to probably some of my deepest fears about contracting COVID-19. So I live in the state of Michigan um, and the county in which I live in has the highest in the state and it also has, I know, right? And has the highest death rate. So um, I'm really fucking scared. Um, I'm also immunocompromised as many of us are in the disability community. So I'm not 1000% I would make, make it out. Um, and that's a, that's a real ass fear for so many of us, right? Like not only that we won't make it or that, and I've heard you say this before in prior podcasts, that there's going to be some like screwy thing that happens in the hospital where like they're like working on making sure that somebody's okay and then not considering all of the complex needs somebody has while in the hospital with COVID-19 right that's like a super oh yeah that's a that's a very real that's a very like there was a news article that I saw a few weeks ago from this woman in British Columbia Canada who she was she had CP she couldn't talk and she was in the hospital and she went for she went because they thought they thought she might have had COVID so she went to the hospital and because she couldn't speak they left her there and forgot about her and she she died so oh my god yeah it's a very like real scary thing that's really happening to disabled people all the time yeah so so like i had no idea i feel you when you say like you're scared of it because yeah and i was having and i've said it on the show before i was having a few, think, a few weeks ago, like, COVID dreams for, like, a long time of, like, I'm dying in the hospital. Right. I mean, it's a real-ass fear. Um, I don't think that's what scares me the most, although that's, like, number two. Um, so I'm really, really scared of – so I don't know if you know this um, – but our state capital is called Lansing and there's been a lot of stay at home protesters who have barged into the capital with assault, um, loaded assault. Oh yeah. I saw that. Uses and swastikas. Yeah. Super, super proud. Oh God. Um, like the give me haircuts, give me death people, uh, those I'm, people. I'm, right. Right. Because like you not being able to have somebody service you equals your slavery. Uh, anyway um but i think the thing that scares me the most is actually being black and needing medical care so holy um, wow let's talk about let's all right i'm clearing the rest of the questions let's just do that for an hour (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean so i don't know your your listeners probably don't have an image of me but i'm a light-skinned black woman right so I'm Italian American as well, which Italian Americans tend to be super racist. So you can imagine how great Thanksgivings have gone. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure it also doesn't help you. You're dating a white guy. I am. I am. But he prefers his like his chicken and fish fried now. So like he gets a pass. <laughs> um. So I'm honestly not i'm like it's really hard to even admit right like i i wasn't sure if we were going to be doing audio or video recording but i was like oh shit do i wear my afro out do i not what what does it mean if i don't what does it mean if i do what does it mean 
about like, what I even think. that consideration, even that consideration that you as a person of color would have to actually consider on a Zoom call with a person who is not of color to be like, should I? And you know, if if it was being broadcast on a, in a video platform, to think like, what would people think of me if I had an afro? Like, that right. is something that I've never thought of until you said it, and I'm like, oh my god, that's a whole other level of racism that I didn't even realize existed. That's gross. Right, and I also know that you're like a safe person to talk to who's warm and kind and woke as fuck, right? So like those are all the things, but um, I'm really scared, right? I live, I, I'm from a hella diverse city um, and I live in Michigan about 20 minutes from a proudly black city called Detroit. Um, but even still, like all of my medical providers are white. I love that they're women, but they're white. Um, so when I would speak with my primary care provider, my prior, uh, care provider, he is, he was a white man. Right. And I wore my hair out once and I love this guy, right? Like I love him because he's been such an advocate of force for me, but I wore my hair out once and I came in for a skin condition and he said that it was because of the texture of my hair and I never wore my hair out in front of him ever again. Oh, uh, Um, when I seek out medical treatment on like, the joke is right. Like as you age, your social life largely becomes doctors. I feel like that joke remains true. If you have disabilities of various. Oh yeah. Your best friends are your OTs and the PTs and doctors you see. Absolutely. Right. Like, you know, when their kids' birthdays are, um, I still wear a wig when I see them because I feel like I have to look less white or I have to look more white to be more believable and have my pain be believable Fuck. when that's a whole, I mean, that's a whole, <laughs> wow. Wow. That's a mind fuck. And it's really sad that this is the state of medical care and medical racism that people are experiencing that like you have to go to the lengths just to go. When you go to a medical professional, this is what you have to consider. So, yeah. Right. So I had, so thankfully this was like not a long-term thing, but anybody who's had it listening is going to grimace because they know I had um, Bartholin cysts, which means that your vagina essentially like grows these awful cysts and they become abscess and they pus and they're super fucking painful. Oh, um, no, that I, had to, fun. I had to have emergency surgery on that. Right. And even when I went to the ER, I was like, hold on, let me grab my cigarettes and let me put my wig on real quick. <laughs> so as, as you're poor like nether regions are like bleeding and sore and you should go to the hospital right now you're like i have to think about how i'm gonna be perceived in the medical setting because because fuck that's horrible yeah i mean for for people of color who also have disabilities right like it's awful, but we usually don't have the luxury of feeling how awful it is. It's like, okay, I'm just, this is what I have to do. So when I went to PT for my um, psychogenic non-epileptic seizures, I went to this really dope um, PT office that was female owned and operated. But I'm in the middle of the Midwest where everybody was white, right? And I had to make sure that my vernacular didn't sound even a little bit Philly black. So because you couldn't if I like did. relax. So it had to be like very proper upper crust. Where Absolutely. like like it's okay. So like all right. So just just so people understand. So do something now. 
Huh? You want me to do what? Do some, do some like when you were in the PT office. How did you, how, how did your voice change to meet the, so you, you have to code switch? Sure. So I can give you, I guess maybe a back to back would be the most easy to, to disentangle. So, okay. um, if I was talking to one of my girls from around the way in Philly, I might be like, Hey baby, how you feel? Tell me, how's your mama? How's Miss Deidre? How's she doing? That bitch, fuck that bitch. She nasty. And that bitch messy too. Right? So now on the one hand, that is very much people in Philly are indeed messy. But so that would be one. But if I went to the PT office or if I speak to a doctor, I'm already doing it now. The second I say doctor, right? It would be like, hi, my name is Maria Marrero. I'm blah, 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 blah. I'm experiencing these symptoms. I'm wondering if maybe it could be X, Y, and Z diagnoses, but I defer to your expertise. Oh God. <laughs> just the, st- the amount of stress just to have to like, you're in pain and your, your body is hurting and you want to get care and you have to li- I. But I mean, the the same, like not not the same, but similarly, as a disabled person, like I too have to code switch. Of course. In of that, course. I can't be too, can't be too mad about it. You can't be too upset that they're fucking up your life, and you can't be too upset that they, in the hospital, don't know how to take care of you. You can't be angry about that because how dare you? Oh, you mean you have to make yourself small to make other people feel more comfortable, even when you're like not entirely sure if your body's gonna make it out? Yeah, correct. That is, yeah, that's exactly the feeling right there. Correct. Um, I guess so. To answer your question more succinctly, I'm really scared not only of white supremacy, but well-meaning and unchecked whiteness in the military, or I'm sorry, in the medical. Freudian slip in the in the in the <laughs> medical industrial complex, right? Because even though I still have a fuck ton of privilege, right? Like I have a master's degree, I'm light skinned, I'm mixed, right? Like this light skinned black body is still gonna need medical treatment, and I'm scared that well-meaning white people with legitimizing degrees like MD are not gonna see me and not consider the various things that I might need or may not consider my illnesses important or my pain real. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's like I said, that's a whole podcast series in and of itself right there. Like, wow. Maybe that can be our first collab. I mean, I mean, I, I would do 10 episodes on that. If you're listening and you want 10 episodes on medical labelism slash racism slash all the things, I'll do it. Yeah. We got I, all this time. I would love to hear people whose first language is not English getting medical care in an English setting or an English medical setting and like trying to navigate like words and emotions and fears, maybe even being like deported. I would love to hear about how people are navigating that, especially in the pandemic. And hey, if you're disabled and a non-English speaker and you want to come and share that experience of, of pandemic times too, like that, that I mean, that's, that's, that's golden content, but also aside from, from what it does for me, I think it's an important, um, I think it's just an important thing we should talk about more. 
and just making sure that we're aware of all of our potential areas of privilege. Um, um, what was my next set of questions? Okay, here they are. What, be, what piece of advice would you give to other invisibly disabled people or people with, with multiple disabilities going through this right now? If you could set up your mic and just be like, hey, I want to share my thoughts with all the other gimps out there and give them, like, <laughs> give them like some hope. What would you tell them? So this is for people who have visible disabilities, invisible disabilities, concomitant disabilities, newly diagnosed, not not newly diagnosed. This is for everybody, everybody, which is we are so justified in our anger. We are so fucking justified to be able to do things like pee in public or like have our humanity recognized. And I think we're doing a really great job of making sure those voices are heard and our voices are heard and our needs are met. But I think when there's so many fears right now, especially for our community, what I really wanna urge everybody to do is seek joy, right? Like we're dealing constantly with a medical model that asks us what's wrong with our bodies. I really would love to inquire and invite people with disabilities to see their unique strengths, their unique possibilities and the things that they bring to the table. I want people with disabilities to celebrate themselves. I want people with disabilities to be able to recognize how beautiful they are as people in the moment who don't need to produce anything, who don't need to perform anything, but just be who they are. I want people with disabilities to think about the things that they love to do, the things that make time itself stop and do those things intentionally and do them a fuck ton right now. I can't even, I mean, that needs a button all by itself. There's no way that I, (laughs) (laughs) that's that's powerful, super powerful. Um, And if you were to flip that coin and talk to say, non-disabled people, but as well-intentioned able-bodied people who may be meaning well and who may have never gone through anything like this before, who may be going through isolation and all the things that we experience on the daily, if you were to speak to them and pull up to the mic and say, here's what I want to say to you, able-bodied folks, what would you tell them? So if I could grip up the mic, what I would do is I would say, do all the things I told my community to do. Right. But I would also, because you know, I can't help but advocate um, because I know you're this way too, right? When you love on your community, it's just, it's going to pour out. There's no way you can hide it. Yeah. So, um, so what I would say is yes, do those things, but also actually it would be two things. The first is just because you're not able to work right now, if you're not considered an essential employee, You have to sit with your own ableism that so many disabled people have to sit with, which is in a late capitalist environment, do you really think that your lack of productivity means that you're not allowed to take up space? Because if your answer is yes, you have some unpacking to do, my dear. And then the other (laughs) is, I, I really want them to hear us. Like, I feel like people with disabilities, like, our respective humanity is often ignored and our lives, like our lived experiences are just 
they're heard with the volume turned down. And for people who don't live with disabilities and who maybe have never encountered people like their loved ones living with disabilities, I'm just going to ask them to not shy away from our conditions because when y'all do that, we become less visible and our humanity floats even farther on the edge of collective consciousness. I would rather my able-bodied friend, I would rather you ask me and engage in me and say the wrong fucking thing than avert your eyes when you see my dog. Yeah, I love this. I love this sentiment so much. Say the wrong thing, fuck up, and then I will gently correct you and we'll move on. Absolutely. I would rather somebody as well-meaning, and I know people are scared. They don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. They feel like inadequate and having the language to talk about it. But I would rather like take you by the hand and warmly correct you than you avert your eyes. Like, yeah. Don't ignore us. Authentically engage with us. Because not for nothing, we have some lessons about resilience and humor to teach you. And y'all need that, especially right now. And I mean, I'll say it again. Disabled people fuck up too. So do yeah. I. All the time. So I am not immune to, oh, said the wrong thing there. Let me try that again. Like, so it's okay to fuck up in front of another disabled person, and that's fine. Um, one of the things you said in your questionnaire, Maria, that I loved so much, then I was like, I'm going to create a question just for this. Um, <laughs> you said that you want to talk about taking up space as a disabled person. Um, and I think that's really important because we don't really, a lot, of, a lot of people with disabilities feel weird taking up space. So how does taking up space as a person with disabilities feel to you? Absolutely. So I, I can only speak from my own firsthand experience. And I think intersectionality is so weird and that you can't disentangle being disabled from being a woman and you can't disentangle that from being like a woman of color or, and in my case, I'm a femme presenting woman and I live the shit out of it, right? Like I didn't know if we were going to be on video, but I prepped my nails, my toenails, my fro was out. You can't see it, but it all happened. (laughs) Um, But I think like when I think about taking up space, it comes from this very intersectional place of I'm used to singing for my proverbial supper as a first-generation college student in the United States, right? Like I'm used to, I'm used to singing for those grants about trauma and poverty. I'm used to that. And I'm also used to doing a shitload of invisible labor as a femme-presenting woman in both Italian-American and Black communities. Anybody who's listening who has either or both of those identities know that women are boss bitches and we do the shit. We just do the shit. So I became really accustomed to putting myself last and ensuring everybody else around me was comfortable. And more broadly, to your point, I think a lot of people with disabilities, regardless of any other identities, is we're accustomed to making ourselves feel small because the world is uncomfortable with us taking up a lot of space because they're uncomfortable with us. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I cannot stress that enough. And like when, when you talk about, you know, us taking up space i do it all the time where i constantly will want something but if it doesn't work out for the able-bodied person that i'm with i will say oh no it's a big deal don't worry about it it's fine it's okay when meanwhile i really wanted that thing and i didn't advocate for it because it and it's not even the person's fault it's me dealing with my own levels of internalized ableism and trying to not want to bother someone else right 
Right. I think that that's going to come up for the rest of our lives. And just when we think we've like really shot internalized ableism in the kneecaps, it's like, it's like a zombie. It comes back after you. Like, yeah, it's like, I mean, that's a horror movie I'd watch. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like our second collab can be like making that. Can be like, like making that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess when I think about taking up space, I, I was still very much doing the dance of making other people feel small as I was in graduate school, right? Like, and I, when I, when I became really ill um, and it became really clear to me from, from my doctors and my specialists, like, Maria, if you don't become a steward of your own health, you're likely going to have a heart attack or a stroke. So if you don't start detoxifying your social environment, if you don't start prioritizing yourself, like you're probably going to end up with a stroke at 29 or 30. And keep in mind, I was having like large scale seizures several times a day and I was in really rough shape. So you were having like grandma, grandma seizures like daily? Yeah. So they weren't technically like grandma seizures because I didn't have epilepsy, but imagine the sort of drama of that, like multiple times a day, like I'm sitting on a chair I start shaking. I fall to the ground. My head, or, my head may or may not make contact with the concrete first. And I may or may not come to five or, like five or ten minutes later. And I'll look oh, up God. at you and be like, what happened? I'm so tired. Why am I on the floor? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but I think I really, and I, I'm sure that people with disabilities, I'm sure, like, Sometimes you have to say goodbye to relationships that prioritize their feelings over your medical health. Of course. Um, so that took up some space. So did like dealing with the internalized ableism of like, oh my God, I'm not allowed to work. What does that mean for me? How do I get to take up space? And America as a late capitalist person living in the world when I'm not allowed to produce anything. And I just seriously have to exist in being in my body as a full-time job. Um, I think unpacking that took up a lot of space. Making boundaries took up a lot of space. Um, unlearning negative coping mechanisms that serve me once, but don't serve me anymore, took up space. And advocating for my medical needs and also my joy take up space. I like that last part, your joy, take those space. And, you know, that's something that I think we as a disabled, this disabled community and marginalized communities have to remember. It's okay for your joy to take up space. Like, as that, it should. That's a, that's, right. a, that's, a, that's a meme right there. Like, somebody, if they haven't made that yet already, somebody should. Right. I just, like, want to make T-shirts and pass them out to people in their favorite colors that say, you are so worthy of happiness. Don't forget it. So my favorite color is teal. <laughs> this so, is doable. This is te- so doable. Teal or blue. Uh, <laughs> my address is of the two after. Uh, no, but I, I think I think it's like I think it's really I think the conversation of taking up space is really important, and I think we have to remember that disability takes up multiple spaces, and it's 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 okay, even if they're even if. They're good, or, they're good feelings or bad feelings. The space that disability takes up in your life is valid. 1,000%. Even when you're really pissed and sometimes things feel hopeless, like 
that space is so real. Like sometimes you gotta honor that despair, but also honor the fact that you're beautiful, right? Like, yeah, completely. people are the production of ten thousand over ten thousand years of evolution. There's nothing wrong with you. Or there is, and you're still awesome. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Or I guess what I mean by like nothing is wrong with you, and that's like internal, like this awful ableist way of like, oh, well, you make me uncomfortable, so I'm gonna avert my eyes, but be a good pretending. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Completely, I I totally agree, and I think like this is such a this is such a fun conversation, and it was so. It was such a fun, it was a really fun episode of Courtney and Chill, and I love all the tangents we went off on. Like, we <laughs> we went off on some tangents that I don't, I don't even remember, but it'll be great to listen back and do the editing later, because hilarious. Um, <laughs> but how do people get a hold of you? How can they um, follow your work? How can they, like, tweet you? How can they get a hold of you? Sure. So I'm a terrible tweeter, so I think don't even remember if I still have a Twitter account. Um, but I would encourage people to feel free to um, Facebook friend me, um, Maria Marrero, M-A-R-I-A-M-O-R-R-E-R-O. Um, my IG is M2D2. So M underscore two underscore, like you get what I mean, but it's all underscored M2D2. Um, and feel free to just, you know, reach out via email. I'm like super not bougie, would love to hear about anybody's experiences because it's such a privilege to hear people's stories and um, to feel moved and realize that we're, we really are like little molecules and all of these little molecules make up something really big and beautiful called the disability community. Um, so my email is M-O-R-R-E-R-O at U-M-I-C h.edu amazing i i i will put your email in the show notes if that's okay so that people sure. if, if they want to reach out to you and i would encourage everyone to but especially people living with multiple disability identities and also you know disabled people of color we need more of these these relationships to form between these communities because they're there and no one's talking about it enough so this is someone you can definitely connect with Hell yeah. So can I ask you a question before we hop off? Of course. In doing all of these podcasts and hearing about the advice that your interviewees would give to the disabled and non-disabled communities, has your advice for either community changed? Oh, that's a big one. (laughs) Um, Maybe that wasn't fair to like drop just as we were about to end, but. Um, has it, that's a good question though. Has it changed? Um, that's hard because I'm, my view on disability activism has changed a lot. I, I found myself living in this place of really deep anger for a long time against able-bodied people and everything they did. I was like, oh God, you're able-bodied, you're the worst. And I would constantly do that. And I feel like that was really hurting me and it was making me really to be quite honest, really sick. So I've shifted my kind of the way that I do my work now. And I have tried to use my platform to give non-disabled people a chance to fuck up with me um, and not 
feel like the world's going to end because they weren't ableist. I love you for doing that. Like, it's, and it hasn't been easy, and a lot of people in the community, that, in, like, the disability community were not pleased with me when I, you know, made these announcements on the social media, because they're like, well, how could you abandon us, and how could you leave us? And I was like, I'm not leaving you. I'm trying to do something where I don't hate everyone that walks by me. I'm trying to do something where I'm not immediately, like, turned off by you, simply because you don't have my experience. And so it's been a big learning curve to be like, okay, I, ha- I have not a responsibility, but an opportunity to teach somebody about disability in a different way. And so this pandemic has allowed me a whole lot of space to be like, yo, if you don't want me to die, maybe you should stay home. And not in a mean way, just like think about me when you think about like running to the store for a minute. That's the realness and also so beautiful. I'm so grateful that you are willing to let people human in front of you and you human in front of them and do these <laughs> weird things like make mistakes and let mistakes happen. So well, I, ju- I, I just feel like in our people to each other. Yeah. I love you for doing that. Well, thank you so much. I just feel like in our, in our disability community and I'll be really blunt about this. I don't care. It's my show and you can stop listening if you disagree, but don't cause I'm great. But <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that a lot of people in the disability community, a lot of disability activists in the community, they come to this work through a lot of unprocessed anger. And so then they go on these platforms, these social media platforms, and they will share this anger, which is totally valid and real and raw, and I get it and I support it. But what it, I think it does when it's so raw all the time and it's always directed at everybody who doesn't understand, it's like you're not also giving space for somebody to grow you're not allowing them to make a mistake you're not allowing them to ask questions you're not allowing them to be inquisitive because it would be great if every able-bodied person understood everything about disability right away and we never had to have these conversations but that's just not that just isn't our reality so instead of hating on everyone why not take a take a step back and be like, look, I could hate on you, but I'd much rather be your friend. How do we do that? And one of the ways we do that is by giving each other the answers to the burning questions. And unfortunately, the burning question is usually, for me, why can't you walk? So I know what the answer to that is, and I know how to present that to you in an angry way, but I also know how to present that to you in a way that says, I'm going to teach you something now. And again, it's not my responsibility to be your teachable moment, but it damn sure is my opportunity and I'm going to take it wherever I can. 1000% of that. I'm thinking about like, have you ever uh, read the speech, the uses of anger? I've seen it. Um, Would recommend anybody with any marginalized identity. I also love that we were like, okay, so we're wrapping up and it's like, all right, so here's another thing. And then it's like 21 minutes. (laughs) I know, right? I'm so sorry for the editing time. It's all um, good. I'm, 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 well, you've heard me say I'm a shit editor, so none of this is edited. All this is going to be in there. So a jam-packed episode, y'all. There it is. Yeah. Fuck yeah. But I, I think that they're absolutely useless to anger, right? Like the anger is justified. The systemic oppression is, is real. The cultural, the cultural but. stigmatization and ostracization is real. 
And I think about it this way, because I've heard a brilliant professor of color say this to me, and he was on the brink of retirement, right? Like wizened, wizened older man, like seasoned and so eager to like drop some gems on your lap. He said this to me, he said, you know, I want to use this anger to dismantle oppressive systems, but I don't want to live my life in a way in which makes me angry at every person I see as a symbol of that oppressive system. Yes, exactly this. Gosh, where do we go from there? Oh, I was waiting for you to like, I was waiting for you to, to finish. So I was like, oh, okay. This is no thought. All right. So I like that, that mo that like, that mutual silence was like, we're both, okay, how do we, what do we, <laughs> but no, I think, but you know, to answer your bigger question, has my views on all this, on all the pandemic changed since having my guests on? No, I still think that we, I mean, it's changed in that I love hearing from people and I love how quickly when I put this idea for another batch of episodes out people were like yes like the minute i put that thing on social media i got like seven or eight emails off the bat saying i want to do this with you so what it tells me is that people want community they want that they need connection right now and if i'm able to use my platform just a little bit to bring people together why wouldn't i do that thank you for doing that thank it's, you for doing that it's one of my many joys of being a disabled person, but thank you so much for coming on and wanting to like, and one of the things I meant to say at the beginning, but then you were talking, I didn't want to interrupt you. Thank you for feeling safe enough to talk about your trauma and the things you went through and like the sexual abuse you experienced, because I can, I can imagine that that wouldn't be something you would just like <laughs> throw out in conversation. So thank you for feeling like you could do that here. Um, and so I just think it's, it's, important to remember that people have gone through shit and it's hard it's never easy to come out especially around trauma i appreciate that my hope in saying so was that if somebody is listening however you identify and you've experienced that please know you're not alone especially in this community um and that even though our stories are different there's so much love and admiration and resiliency among us please don't be afraid of your power so much, so, so, so much depth. And now I will sit in front of my computer and I will wait for the, for the, the hot shirtless photo of your boyfriend. Um, All right, hold on. Lots of email. It's you. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> wait, edit that out. He'll kill me. JK. <laughs> well, I just, I'm creeping on Facebook. I know his name now. So cool. Uh, oh yeah. He's right there. You oh no. I am. I'm creeping you right now. Um, <laughs> This was so fun. This is so great. And thank you so much for coming on today, Maria. It was one of my favorite episodes so far of the series. And the minute I press off, I want to talk to you more about having doing other stuff with you and collabing again, because I think there's so much that you said in this episode that I was like, I, I can't not do this. Oh, I would love that. Well, thank you so much for having me on. And I hope all of the listeners are safe and as joyful as y'all can be. And just know that you're not alone. You are not alone. And on that note, this is the end of Quarantine and Chill episode. What the, I don't even know what episode, whatever number it is. But the, this is Quarantine and Chill. If you want to be a part of the episode, you'll hear me talk about it in a minute when I do the outro. But uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon. Bye, friends.
what did I tell you? There's a whole lot going on there, but it was super fun and super awesome. And I loved having Maria on. And I loved having that discussion with her. There was so much complex discussion in this quarantine and chill that it was definitely one of my favorites. I mean, they're all my favorites. I love every single guest that comes on the show and is willing to bear to bear a part of themselves with me and to be so open about themselves. It means so, so much. So, so much. Maria, you're just the best. Thank you so much for your time and for your candor and for your honesty. I just really appreciate it. Uh, But that's the episode, friends. Thanks for coming to another episode of Quarantine and Chill. We'll be back next week with another one. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe. Stay well. uh, Stay comfy, cozy, and quarantined. Bye, friends. All right, friends. This has been another edition of Disability After Dark. The podcast feed, shining a bright light on all things disability. I'm, of course, your number one queer cripple and your disabled Dick Smith host, Andrew Gerza. If you like what you heard today and you want to follow my work and find out more about what I do, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow the podcast directly, you can head over to Twitter and punch in DisAftDarkPod and follow us there. If you want to contact the show with a show idea, a guest idea, a comment, or complaint, you can head over to your email and email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening to this latest edition of Disability After Dark, and we'll be here to shine a bright light on more things really soon. Thanks, everybody. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Music was by Music by Space Robot Scientists. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Notice 2020